You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and it's another CHL Insider segment. For this, we head out to the Ontario Hockey League, and a TV play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs is my guest. That's Steve Clark. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. Steve, how are things? Uh, things are great, uh, Guy. Great to talk to you. I think it's been a couple years. Hasn't it, it? it has been a while, that's for sure, but uh, lots to talk about as this team is uh, red hot right now, and obviously there's some uh, other news around the club as well. And I polled my audience last week and, and asked which OHL uh, club I wanted to get a play-by-play guy from, and uh, almost about an hour after I posted the poll, then this news came out, and of course everybody wants to <laughs> an update. The problem is there really isn't much of an update. I mean, from the outside looking in, the, the uh, outside of the... Respective uh, news releases, one from the league, one from the team. There's really been no details that have come out. What What do you know that you can tell us or, or share with us uh, outside of just you know speculation? Yeah, I understand here, Guy. I'm not being evasive. I'm not being you know a good corporate guy because you know I'm not. I call games for the team, but I'm not affiliated with the team. But basically, what you have learned on the release by the Ontario Hockey League and the response by the Niagara Ice Dogs is the story. Anything else is conjecture and speculation and something for uh, other people and investigative reporters to chase. But, you know, everybody saw, you know, the, the headline, um, two first-round draft picks, 2019-2021, dollars fine. The response by the Ice Dogs doesn't involve any of the current administration, and they're going to appeal. And when you have an appeal process, then a lot of the information is suppressed, and teams will go through the process of filing their appeal, whatever that is. And, and then another decision will be handed down at a different date. So, I mean, I know, you know, people are looking for specifics, but, uh, you know, it's, it really has been circle the wagons and there's no information that, that has come out that I can really definitively comment on. I, I go back to uh, the Portland Winterhawks situation out here in the WHL from, I want to say it was 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. Uh, and it took forever for anything to come out. And I don't know if we've still got the full story of what happened there and, the, the fines that were handed out to the Winterhawks were huge compared to, I mean, it was for, so, so according to the league, cell phones uh, supplied to players and, and plane tickets for parents. So it's, it's become somewhat of a running joke out here. Um, and you go back to what happened with the Windsor Spitfires before that even. And I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember all the, uh, the circumstances from that, but similar punishment here. So we assume it's something big, but we don't know how big and, uh, when I look at the Portland situation, I still think it's they got hammered for what the league knew, but maybe couldn't necessarily prove. Um, and I don't know if that's something similar that we might hear see here. But how significant of a penalty is this for the Ice Dogs moving forward? Well, I mean, obviously, you take a look at the monetary figure, and, and any any franchise you take that amount of money, you know, and have to pay up, then then that is uh, significant. Really, the focus on the players' uh, side of things and the hockey operations side of things. Well, you know. You, you lose 2019 draft picks, you lose 2021 draft picks. So let's start with those first rounders, great players, elite players. You know, the Ice Dogs have drafted in the middle of the first round for the past few years and have uh, had excellent success. Ben Jones, a Vegas draft pick, already signed with them. Akil Thomas, you know, outstanding player, was drafted middle of that first round, and he signed by the LA Kings and was a second round pick. The list goes on and on of players they've been able to significantly you know, that's significantly added to their team. So, yeah, it's a quality player. This year's draft pick, probably bottom third of the first round, uh, somewhere around that 14 to 20 mark, which means a great prospect, but not one of the elite top 10 prospects, but still a significant loss. 
they keep their 2020 first round. And then you're really into wild speculation if you're looking at what happens in 2021, because that's a couple of years down the road. And you know, you know how cyclical, uh, you know, junior hockey can be. Who knows what situation the ice dogs are, are, are going to be in. Now, the one thing, you know, you can't acquire first round picks in the Ontario Hockey League. So right. the ice dogs will have no first round picks there so they're going to have to be creative in the hockey operations department and look at free agents and look at unearthing some gems in other rounds yeah and that's a great point that you make uh, because i you have to remind uh, the folks who are listening maybe from the from out east or from out west here or south of the border you can't acquire first round picks in the ohl so you might look and say well okay they've got so many drafted players nhl affiliated players they're going for it this year they can recoup all those losses by trading two or three guys next year. Not necessarily the case. So no. these are pretty big uh, penalties here uh, for the Niagara Ice Dogs. Now, uh, this year's club looks really, really good. Is this a distraction that those players could be affected by? Well, I, I think, you know, this is one thing that the Ice Dogs have done very, very well. They basically, you know, I think their attitude is, okay, this is going on off the ice and this is going on for the future of the franchise, but for the current Niagara Ice Dogs team, the 2018-2019 team, no, it's business as usual on the ice. And since this news has come down, um, they, they're two and one. They beat uh, Erie Otters in Erie eight to one, so a very decisive victory. Lost a close five-four game to Sudbury, a team they're fighting for first place in 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 the Central Division of the Ontario Hockey League, and then rebounded and beat Peterborough five-two. So they're two and one since this news has broken, and there has been really no let up in terms of the Ice Dogs in terms of their play, you know, on the ice. And in fact, I mean, they broke off a four-game losing streak with that victory against Erie on, on Saturday night. So that was good. They've won two out of three since, you know, after losing four straight. So I have seen no distractions on the ice, and I think that's exactly how the Ice Dogs want it. Okay, You focus on this year. You focus on the run you want to make towards a league championship and whatever else happens after. What is happening off the ice is not the concern of the, the personnel on the ice. Steve Clark, TV play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs, my guest. You can hear those games or watch those games, rather, on your TV, Niagara. Uh, all right, let's look at some of these players on this team. Of course, the Ice Dogs loaded up for the, the trade deadline, getting Jason Robertson uh, from the Kingston Frontenacs. He was really good in Kingston. He had 38 points in 24 games. He's got 54 points in 26 games in Niagara. So he was good in Kingston, but he's been really, really good with the Niagara Ice Dogs. Why the big difference? Well, I mean, Kingston is a team that struggled to put the puck in the net, and I think he was somewhere around 40% of their goal production, which is staggering when you think about it when he was traded from Kingston. And then with the Niagara Ice Dogs, you simply have surrounded him with very, very good forwards. The Ice Dogs have an enviable top six. Everybody in the Ontario Hockey League knows that. They've got a lot of skill. Colonel Maximoff and Edmonton Oilers draft pick Ben Jones and Kiel Thomas, the Vegas L.A. draft picks, which I talked about as well. Jack Studnika was another acquisition, second-round Boston pick. So these are the types of guys that Jason Robertson is playing with and also playing with on lines and five-on-five and also during the power play. And then you add in the fact that you've got a highly, highly skilled player and and you equal the statistical production that uh, Jason Robertson has been able to accumulate since joining the Ice Dogs. He is a tremendous player to watch, Uh, second-round draft pick of the Dallas Stars, and certainly a guy who will make an impact at the pro level next year and in subsequent years. What a what a treat he's been to uh, call games for this year. Just had his little brother on the show uh, last week, draft eligible uh, Nick Robertson from the Peterborough Peets. Yeah, he'll be pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's been a fun player to watch for sure. I saw him in Red Deer. I also saw Phil Tomasino in Red Deer. Really enjoyed the conversation that I had with him. 
Uh, tell my audience a bit about uh, Phil Tomasino and what sort of a player he is, because you look at his numbers again, 60 points in 55 games as a draft eligible player. Pretty, uh, pretty strong season. Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, he was the one guy I mentioned. I forgot he was one of those first round draft picks in the middle of the first round that the Ice Dogs have been able to develop. Had a pretty quiet uh, rookie year, D. You know, kind of finding his way uh, with the team, and uh, but really has made the leap this year. And a lot of people will say, "Well, it's because he's playing with excellent players," and that simply isn't true. He started ascending when Akil Thomas was injured, and he stepped into a frontline role, and and really has taken it since there. And if you have a chance to look at Phil Thomasino highlights, and I, I encourage anybody to do so is that this guy has scored a few jaw-dropping, spectacular, highlight reel type of goals this year. He's that type of player. He's electric. You kind of get up off your seat when you see him go, and he can skate, and he can pass. And he's starting to round out those other facets of his game to become the 200-foot player we know that teams like. But the offensive skill is enviable. He's got 29 goals, you know, this year. Uh, on a team that has a lot of offense and really is a creative offensive player with a tremendous amount of upside. He was full value for going to, to Red Deer, and he's one of those guys who could climb and get drafted late first round uh, after really being, I'd say, a little bit of an afterthought, but certainly not being highly ranked at the beginning of the year. Uh, you mentioned Kirill Maximov, uh, Edmonton earlier prospect. I should ask you a little bit more about him and just yep. what sort of development or evolution you've seen from him over the last couple of years. Kirill's worst enemy is himself. Right, and and what I mean by that is his tendency to uh, take some undisciplined penalties. That's the only negative I can say about say about Kirill Maximoff because over his years with the Ice Dogs, he's really developed into a physical force, and that's been really pleasant to see. He has over 100 penalty minutes this year. He's not afraid to mix it up. And again, highly skilled player, back to back what 35 goals or will approach 35 goals this year, uh, over a point a game guy. And I think the Edmonton Oilers fans are going to be really happy to have this guy. In their, in their system next year. He'll probably play down in California in the American Hockey League. My guess is, though, he can come back to the Ontario Hockey League. I don't see him having much more to accomplish in the Ontario Hockey League. A fun guy to watch. He's got a great shot and he can really actually distribute the puck. He's another guy whose ascendancy has been kind of staggering to watch because they picked him up from Saginaw a couple of years ago. He played well for Niagara, but the last couple of years he's taken that next step. And you know, those guys who just look like a pro. Yeah. Curl Maximoff looks like a pro. Yeah, six foot three and closing in on two hundred pounds looks like a a pro frame uh, for sure. Uh, tell me about the blue line because I look at it and three drafted players, all uh, all three of them seventh round picks, not necessarily household names you, that people across the country are, are going to recognize, but it's a lot of beef on this blue line. Uh, can you kind of describe the the group as a whole? Yeah, they're they're a well rounded group, and I, I think if there's you know a, a, a position that the Ice Dogs you know, could have addressed a little bit more. It might have been the defense, and I'm not saying that it's a bad defense. It's a very good defense, but when I look at, like, uh, the Ottawa 67s and a couple of the other challengers as well, they're, and London Knights in the Western Conference, their defenses are elite. But, I mean, they, you know, they got Jacob Paquette along with Robertson. He's a great uh, kind of meat-and-potatoes, stay-at-home defenseman, Nashville draft pick. The guy that Western Hockey League people may have heard of is Daniel Bukach. He played a couple years out. I believe in uh, Brandon yeah, with, with the Wheat Kings, yeah. yeah, and then and then when it entered the import draft and the Ice Dogs picked them up, and and yeah, the rest of the guys are uh, kind of have their role. Elijah Roberts, a former second round pick in the Ontario Hockey League, good steady defenseman in the fourth year, you know, a couple of uh, overager and Jonathan Schaefer who plays a good but aggressive game. So yeah, a little bit of a, a lunch pail type of uh, grouping, but uh, I mean Matt Brassard picked up from Oshawa is is, is probably their best defenseman offensive force and a decent defender, but no, they're not elite level, but they're very good. 
And then when it comes to goaltending, you can't win without solid netminding. Does Stephen Dillon give him that sort of uh, uh, strength down the, in between the pipes? It, it, it's funny because um, if you pay attention and take a look at the fan forums, which I like to go to occasionally, you know, just to t- t- kind of take the temperature of what the fan base is saying, or at least the hardcore fans are, yeah. is that the Ice Dogs have a liability in goal, which is patently ridiculous. Stephen uh, Dillon is, is a workhorse. He, he, he's in his overage year, but doesn't have an NHL contract. And a lot of people kind of wonder why that is, because his, the improvement has been, in his game has been noticeable. He was outstanding in the playoffs last year for Niagara and was the reason that, uh, you know, Hamilton was carried to five very tough games with three of those games coming in, in overtime. This year he has been, again, very, very good. One or two bad games like all goaltenders have, and a guy who's ready to have uh, make an impact in the playoffs. The Ice Dogs have no issues in goal whatsoever as long as Stephen Dillon is manning the net. Steve Clark is my guest. He's the TV, TV play-by-play voice of the Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, just a couple more for you, uh, Stephen. I appreciate your time. Um, the Ice Dogs currently in a pretty good battle with the Sudbury Wolves for a top spot in the uh, Central Division. Now, the OHL playoff format is uh, 1v8 in the conference. Uh, so right now they, they have the, uh, the second overall spot uh, because of uh, the uh, uh, being tops of their division. So how important is home ice advantage? And, and when you look at that battle between Niagara and Sudbury, you see one team as uh, the better down the stretch? Well, it's massively important. And, and if you take a look at the teams on paper, Talon alone, it should be Niagara. They're a more talented team than Sudbury. But Sudbury's won four out of the five matchups against Niagara. Of course, they've got outstanding goaltending. Anuka Pekka-Lukkanen, who was uh, Finland's goaltender in the World Junior Championships this year. And, and they're some of their parts team. You won't see too many of their players in the top 20. But they've got some real good, strong players. couple draft eligible, couple drafted already. Uh, so they're a very good team, and, and they're full value for their position. It's really important for whoever wins the division because then they slip into a two-seat. And that's big because if you don't win the division, you could slip into the four seed, which number one potentially puts you into a tough matchup with a Mississauga Steelhead team that has been elevating despite trading two of their best players at the trade deadline. Yeah. And it also puts you in the bomb sides of the Ottawa 67s, who simply, I look at their lineup, they don't have a weakness. And their full value for having by far the best victory, or the best record, I should say, in the OHL here this year. So pivotal for whoever wins that division. I still think it's going to be Niagara. They have a little bit of an easier schedule. They've got one more game against Sudbury. They should win, but Sudbury, you know, a lot of people thought they'd go away, and they haven't, and there's a good reason for that. Well, and I guess the last question, since you brought up Ottawa, my question was going to be, can anybody uh, take them down? Um, they would cer- Anybody else would certainly be the underdog going into that series, but a club like Niagara that did load up for the deadline, you give them a puncher's chance of uh, uh, in a series against the 67s? Oh, I do. Uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, the Ottawa won three out of four against Niagara this year. But again, how much do you read into regular season matchups? Uh, I don't read a whole lot into it. You know, uh, Niagara's had Ottawa's number in the playoffs the last uh, couple times. And I realize, obviously, the players are different. But there is something in which, you know, a franchise could have a little bit of a hold over Ottawa. So, yeah, I do think they have a puncher's chance. But the Ottawa 67s, you know, they have Mikey DiPietro as their starting goalie. Their backup, Cedric Andre, was the starter for most of the year and could be the start- starter for most playoff teams in the OHL. Uh, they don't have any weaknesses on defense. They're led by Noel Hofenmeyer and Kevin Ball, a couple of NHL-drafted picks. And then forwards, I mean, they've got Ty Felliber, an overager, who scored 50 goals, and I think he hit the 50-goal plateau in January. Hmm. So he could hit 70 by the end of the season. And then they added a couple perfect overagers, from Barry and Lucas Chioto and also Kyle Maximovich from Erie to really add depth to that offense. And they had a guy, Sasha Chimilevsky, 
um, a great player, played for the U.S. Uh, during the World Juniors. He scored five goals in a game against North Bay. So they're, they're getting scoring from all over the place. There's not a weakness. They're well coached by Andre Turney. To say that they're a tough out would be an understatement. Yeah, and they're on fire. 14 wins in their last 15 games, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Steve, listen, great rundown of uh, everything happening in Niagara. And uh, we'll keep our ears out and eyes out uh, for any other updates that happen uh, Probably something uh, maybe comes out at the end of the season or after the playoffs or, or something like that. But uh, appreciate you joining me today, Steve. Good to catch up. Yeah, looking forward to the fun down the stretch and all of the uh, the division. This is where I start paying attention, Guy, to uh, all of you know the CHL and start looking at Western Hockey League and Quebec League teams as well as we move towards, obviously, May and the Memorial Cup in Halifax. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's Steve Clark, TV play-by-play man for the Niagara Ice Dogs, who were in action yesterday. That would be Thursday, in case uh, depending on what today you're uh, happening to be listening to the show. Uh, but they stomped the uh, Kitchener Rangers ten to two. So yeah, any off ice uh, distractions certainly didn't seem to affect the Ice Dogs in that game. Uh, more, I'm sure, will come out about uh, exactly the infractions and the rules that uh, the Ice Dogs broke. But uh, until then, I really can't do anything but speculate, and that's probably not fair either. So. Uh, we will revisit that story if and when uh, details come out. We go from the Niagara Ice Dogs of the Ontario Hockey League to uh, our friends at HockeyProspect.com. Dustin Braxma is my guest from uh, HP. This week, he's going to tell us about uh, a trio of high school players in the U.S. I believe all three are in Minnesota. Uh, a couple of uh, USHL guys and uh, one player who's already in the NCAA, also playing in Minnesota. We'll tell you about those guys when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Key Flaming, and we're back with Dustin Braxma after this. Hamblers win the draw. Mackey with it now. Blue line for Middlestead. Pardon, shoots and scores! K.C. Middlestead from the far dot, and the Gamblers lead 2-1. That's a power play goal for K.C. Middlestead. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 